0: On Christmas Eve, we were in a a city in South America called Cologne. Cologne, Panama. Anybody ever been there? Nobody? Even you have been there? It's a big city there on the coast of Panama. We were there on Christmas Eve. And it's not that we were there that's important. I tell you what was important. That evening, everybody was gathering back on the bus. It was about five o'clock in the evening. And I really, I got to thinking about this Christmas Eve. We need to do something." And I didn't know how it might go, but I started humming, and Cheryl joined with me, and we started humming, "Oh, holy night." You know what happened? I don't know how many on the bus joined with us when we started singing the words to that great hymn, but it was enough that when we were finished, people applauded. Wasn't that something? That far off. We didn't know any of those folks except having seen them for a few hours. But not a single person said, be quiet or don't do that, many of them joined in. I believe that's the way it is in the world today. If we would just use our voice to share what we know, we would perhaps not meet nearly with as much resistance as we think we would. Because people all over the world are desperate. They may not know that they're desperate for God, but they feel desperate. And so with that having been said, I raise the question to you. Are you desperate today for God? Are you desperate? For something more in your life? You know what desperate means? What does it what do you think of when you hear that word? Desperate. What do you think of? What do you think of, Ron? Great. What else? Frantic? I remember when I was just a boy, during revival times in the local church, there was a group of pews usually turned a different way than the rest of the pews in the church at the front. They were kind of lined this way so that they looked this way toward the pulpit. There was a special significance to that group of pews. You know what they called it? What? Oh, brother, you're right. (laughs) How many of you knew that? All of you? You never heard that? If you were here during the time of the 80s, from about 80, what, 81, 82, somewhere along that. Until the early 90s, you heard it at least once a year, not from a preacher. You know who you heard it from? That word? Come on. Amen. That wasn't the right time. (laughs) Somebody that's a great Auburn fan ought to know that. Pat Dye. Every year. In the late fall, when things really began to heat up for the Auburn Tigers football team, and they had Georgia and Alabama and maybe LSU and a few others thrown in, and it was the toughest part of the schedule, every Sunday afternoon when he was with Phil Snow on Channel 12 doing the Auburn Review, without fail, you would hear him say, We're heading to Amen Corner now. I knew what it meant. And I guess just about everybody, if they didn't know, they probably looked up that term and thought, what in the world is he talking about? It meant that it was a frantic time for the Auburn football team. We had a lot of that last fall. (laughs) But I never heard the coach say it was Amen Corner time. Maybe he should have. Desperation. It brings out some unusual responses. Usually. I've not found... I don't really sense in the church nationwide that there is that frantic desperation that we should feel during these days. Now I know God is gonna help us through it and is and has. But at the same time, I think we need to be closer to God during these days than we've ever been. Don't you believe that? I thought you would believe that. In the year 2000, I'll see if you know this. In the year 2000, there was a couple of young ladies who composed one of the greatest contemporary psalms that we've had for the church. What's the name of it? What's the name? The name of it is Breathe. Here are the words. This is the air I breathe. Any of you know this song? Do you know it? How many of you know it back here? I would ask you to sing it, but you probably. <laughs> this is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. I know I told you I wouldn't do this. <laughs> this is my daily bread. Your very words spoken to me. And now you know the last part. And I, I'm desperate for you. And I, I'm desperate for you. Can you do that? Come on, stand up and do it for us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it goes on. And it repeats that same wording again. Michael W. Smith is one that did this particular version. There have been several versions of it, but I like his the best. But 20 years, more than 20 years after that song was composed by Erica and Trasina Campbell, is still one of the most requested contemporary songs on Christian radio. I still hear it. Nearly every week I will hear that song. And as I listen to it, the word desperate comes to the forefront. I'm desperate for you. Imagine if you would today if all of the church was desperate for God imagine maybe take a look at yourself do a little self inventory are you as desperate for God or do you save those places and those spots in your life for yourself or for someone other than God what do you think of when you hear the word desperate. David tells us in Psalm 119 verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Interesting thing about David He went astray when things were really good in his life. Not because he had a hard time. He he didn't. It was during the best times as far as successes. He was a king. Everything was going his way. But he was afflicted by sin. He was afflicted in that when things seem to be going our way sometimes, we we lose a sense of desperation for God in our lives. We think we've accomplished it or things are going well because we devised a plan without giving any credit to our God. And so during David's time, when he was running from King Saul and death was just a step away from him, guess what? It was good. He was close to God, he obeyed God. But when he became king, guess, you know, I guess we'll always remember this about him. When he became king, the desperation left him. And when we take our eyes off the guide, we can only look one way. David sought out someone else's wife. Bathsheba had a husband. And that husband was one of the leaders of David's army. And David wanted Bathsheba so badly that he was willing to make sure that her husband was killed in battle. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Wouldn't you think that is just about as low down as a person could get? But the flesh is weak. That's why we need a desperation for God in our lives. Or we will falter. Now, think about it. David did that very thing. He followed through with it. But I can tell you one thing. There were those around him who knew the story. You know what happened after you read about David and Bathsheba and her husband being killed because David made sure that he was placed at the front of the battle. You follow that up very shortly. With David speaking to Nathan. And Nathan said to David, What do you think of a man? And he named all these things that this man had done. And he said, David, what what do you think about a man like that? And you know what David's reply was? Well, that's a scoundrel, sure enough. That's a bad person. And I can just see him relaxing back in his chair. Only to hear these words from from Nathan. You are that man. That cuts pretty deeply. David lost his desperation for God when he realized that things were going so good, he just didn't quite need God as much in his life anymore. When he was afflicted, when he was being hunted down like an animal, he had faith. But his prosperity resulted in the darkest days of his life. It's simple. Because when we know we're in trouble, often we want to seek out God. I mentioned 11 years ago, and I'll tell you what, I... That morning about 1.30 in the morning when I was in that ambulance going to the hospital, I remember that all I could utter was, Oh, God save me. I didn't want to think about anything else but for God to save me, and He did. Not because I was better than anybody else. Facing that same situation that didn't make it. But God heard my prayer. That morning. In Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6. We're told that. If we trust in the Lord with all our heart. And lean not on our own understanding. In all your ways. Acknowledge him. And he will direct. Your paths. When David was not desperate for God, he was more vulnerable to his self destructive depravity. In these tough times for everyone, how are things with you? How have you been coping? Are you closer to God today than you were before the pandemic? Are you desperate for God today as you were when you first heard there is no medication out there that can stop the spread of this? That brought some desperation in the minds and hearts of a lot of people. But now that we have medicines and now I hear things like, well, this is not so bad now. People are getting well. I've I've made some of those same comments. Our desperation has sort of dwindled. Now, I'm not suggesting that you only practice seeking the presence of God when things are bad. But I do suggest that you know in your heart of hearts that there is that sense of desperation to know for sure that you know, that you know, that you know for sure that God is more than a word for you. When you're prospering and things are going well, don't leave God out of your life. The Apostle Paul, on the other hand, if you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians, I'm reading from the 12th chapter, verse 9 and 10. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Pretty plain by the apostle. He tells us he was given a thorn in the flesh, and we don't know what it was. But we know it bothered Paul all of his life. After he became a Christian, he talked about it but he said, you know, it was, given of, it was given to me to keep me from ever being conceited about my relationship with the Lord. God used the apostle. We need God to do whatever it takes to keep us desperate for him. So we don't wonder from the fold. When we feel we can do things on our own, we are the most vulnerable to sin. I've always loved Robert Robertson's hymn, Come Thou Fount. And the reason is because it has words in there that tell me exactly what we are likely to do. Remember these words? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I want you to remember, even, those the, even though these two men suffered and battled sin and humankind all of their lives, you've got to remember this. God said that David was a man after his own heart. And we know from all of the scriptures and from all the traditional stories that have been passed down to us that there has never been a greater interpreter of the Christian faith than the Apostle Paul. Both of them were scarred physically, mentally, emotionally, morally and probably in other ways that we don't know about. But they recovered. They recovered. I was speaking with someone close to me the other day. Her husband was a Methodist minister for years Passed away about eight years ago. But she shared with me something I'd never known before, and I thought, God bless them all. I was talking to her about her children. Her oldest one is 61 years old now. And she said, You know, she's an alcoholic, but a recovering alcoholic. I said, I never knew this. I never knew it. And it set my mind to thinking about the suffering of her mother and daddy along with her and her siblings through all the years that she was a practicing alcoholic. Everyone Reaches those places. And this young lady, I'll call it young because she's a good bit younger than me. You know what she's doing now? She's involved in several different groups. And her mother said, you know, her daddy lived long enough to know she was dry. And that's what mattered most to him before he left this world. But he would, she said this, he would be so proud of her. She reached that great point of desperation for God. Desperate to get rid of this that was dragging her down all through the years. Now she's a free woman. And she's serving the Lord. And she's still desperate to do For others, what has been done for her. When hope seems so distant for us, and our days are filled with darkness, until we are most desperate, that's when we will perhaps see Lord's deliverance for us. Amen, amen. and amen. Thank you.